are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. This episode of Rootbound is brought to you by Autumn. Do you love falling leaves, pumpkins, and rainy weather? If you answered yes, then you will simply fall. See what I did there? For Autumn! Autumn! It's orange as heck! Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. Travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Two roads diverged, and I, I took the ones traveled by, and that has made all the difference. My name is Steve. We all live on a farm. If you've never lived on a farm, you might wonder what it's like. And that's the reason for my story. A story about Autumn on the Farm. My name actually is Steve, but I do not live on a farm. Thank you for listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Each week on this show, I invite a guest who tells me about a plant that means something to them, and then I tell the guest about a plant that means something to me, and through this process, we all learn more about plants and learn more about each other. But this is one of the special episodes where we don't talk about just a single plant or two plants. We talk about the concept of a season, and plants in general, and I have more than one guest. So this is the fall special, if you didn't know already. And with that, let's just get right into it and meet our guests for this fall special episode of Rootbound. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fall or autumn special of Rootbound. This is one of those episodes where we don't have just one guest. And unlike normal episodes where I don't do the introductions till the end, on this episode we do the introductions at the beginning. So first of all, we have Rebecca from the Elderflower episode. Say hi. Hi. And also, as always, on these special episodes, my wife, Carla. Hello. Um, and today we're going to talk about uh, plants and the season of fall in general. We're all going to share some various fun facts, dazzling details, anecdotes. And we're sitting in front of a little uh, chiminea that we have in our yard and I'm during this whole time going to be making tortillas because we're going to have a quesadilla party shortly after so if you hear lots of moving around that's what's happening I'm making uh, corn tortillas so um, let's get started uh, Rebecca what, what do you have to say about plants and fall yeah well I mean I love fall um, as many people do and um, I guess the the first the first plant tidbit I wanted to bring up is pumpkins. Pumpkins. They're everywhere. <laughs> They're everywhere. Yeah. There's so many pumpkins. People paint pumpkins, carve pumpkins, blah blah blah. So, um, so I just have a personal experience with growing pumpkins. Um, we um, in our we started composting in our yard um, a couple years ago, and we're very lazy about it. We just kind of like throw stuff in the back and. <laughs> Sometimes we stir it up. And then, so eventually I noticed one of the cool things about composting is that you get volunteer plants. Sometimes. 
<laughs> yeah. If you're a lazy composter. Like indeed, me. indeed. Yeah, so we started to get some, um, some sprouts coming out of our compost, and eventually I figured out that a lot of them were pumpkin sprouts. And so I did some rudimentary research on growing pumpkins, and I took a couple of the sprouts that looked pretty good and moved them on the sunniest side of our house and just let them grow to see what would happen. So then throughout the, throughout the summer, like the vines get huge. I was definitely not, you know, I was just like, let's see, you know, but they're huge. They like explode out of the little, like we had a little rectangle kind of cornered off and um, we kept having to like adjust their positions so they didn't overflow into our neighbor's yard. <laughs> yeah, you like, yeah. you like try to lift them up and they have these little tendrils that stick. They reach into the earth, yeah. right? So we kind of like move them around a little bit and um, my husband like mowed around them because <laughs> we were like, let's see what they do. Um, um, so they were so huge, it was really fun to watch them. And then the flowers came out, the flowers started to come in the summer. And these big, like huge, gorgeous blooms, they're really awesome. So I was like, oh great, you know, I got some flowers, we're gonna get some pumpkins, it's gonna be awesome. But then these flowers kept falling off mm -hmm. and they didn't produce pumpkins. So I was like, what's going on? So I talked to my friend, Anna, who I knew she had grown pumpkins before. And so she told me about the whole male flower mm -hmm. and female flower mm -hmm, thing. Mm -hmm. So pumpkins are really interesting. They have um, both male and female flowers on the same plant. And the first flowers that are produced are the male flowers. And then after like, I don't know, this online source said about two weeks, which sounds about right. After about two weeks, the female flowers will start to come. Um, and then sometimes, so my friend recommended, she was like, they don't always get pollinated on their own because sometimes there's not enough bees. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, so I went out with my, my little Q-tip and I, you know, sang some Marvin Gaye to myself and I, you know, <laughs> took the, so, uh, you know, I, I figured out how to identify, obviously, that the male flowers have those um, stamens um, and then you take the the pollen from the stamen and you take it over to the the pistil on the female flower and rub it all over there um and yeah and then the female flowers also have this like tiny immature fruit at the oh, base yeah. yeah that's that's a fun thing about pumpkins is you can very clearly tell the difference between the male and female flowers which is not always i think as obvious yeah but i, I when i was first reading about it, it's like the the female flowers actually look like they're a little pregnant yes they have a little yeah. bulk. they're like <laughs> a little little, little bitty bitty <laughs> yeah. so yeah yeah but even then like the male flowers i was like there's a rounded thing at the bottom is that the fruit no yes yeah. anyway um, so then we, yeah, we, I pollinated and then happily we got, we ended up getting one big pumpkin nice. that was big enough to carve. We made a great jack-o'-lantern with my two-year-old or no, she was three. I think she was three by then. And then we had little tiny ones too, because I didn't really know what kind of pumpkins they would be. Yeah, so I'm going to jump in here. Tiny. Don't spoil this because at the end of the episode, we're going to get the breakdown from your daughter, Maya, about oh. exactly what happened with these pumpkins. Correct. <laughs> no spoilers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Perfect. But, but it's uh, some excellent podcasting from a five-year-old yes. shortly. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Um, but yeah, so that's my... That, that was fun. It was just cool. It felt like um, it felt like playing, which is the thing that I love about like gardening for me is just like 
let's see what happens. Yeah. I'm very, you know, exactly. it's like, cool. Now, do you think the pumpkins well. were like from the jack-o'-lantern from the year before? Yes. Oh, oh it definitely so they were like was. a big, oh, yes. yeah, big yes. orange jack-o'-lantern? Because we just, yeah, threw all our stuff. So then this time with the pumpkin that we grew, we actually took the seeds out and roasted them. Oh, nice. And then we did not get pumpkin sprouts again uh -huh. because we were like, yeah, growing them is, is kind of a big undertaking. I, this is the first <laughs> year. You have to have a lot of space. Yeah. This is the first year I haven't done pumpkins. I tried to plant them. I was too late this year, so there's some tiny I, plants and they won't, they won't make it. But yeah. um, last year, they just completely covered the yard. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we have a variety. There's actually one, I, I, one from last year out here on the edge. There's a couple actually oh. that, that we decided that they're probably a little bit too old now and we're kind of using them as jack-o'-lanterns. Oh, um, yeah. But this is a variety called the Seminole pumpkin. It's okay. from Florida. Yeah. And this is the large fruited variety, but it is just so prolific. Like we had so many pumpkins last year oh and they also are, wow. are very shelf stable. Yeah, so I was going to say that's I mean, a this long one, time we probably to could have it. still eat it probably, but okay. we did have one, there's one in the fridge from the same batch that Jeez. we ate last week. And uh, okay. so it's a really cool variety if you want looking for a pumpkin Called the, uh, that is like very shelf stable, uh, the Seminole pumpkin, I highly recommend. Okay. And it's this kind of pale yellow, looks a little yeah, bit of color pretty. of a butternut, mm -hmm. but it's like pumpkin shaped. Actually, yes. the, there's two varieties. The normal variety is really small, okay. and they actually climb trees and can like hang from trees apparently. Cool. Um, but this one's a little bit bigger, a bigger fruited variety. So um, I'm forgetting about my tortillas here. Okay, we're good. Um, they're not burning too much. Yeah, pumpkins are fun. They're such a great sign of fall because they're yeah. one of those, such an obvious, crop that's ready. I mean, fall is a harvest time, right, but pumpkins, exactly. like, uh, everything starts turning brown and then you're just left with these big orange things in the field, yeah. you know? And that's what happened too, yeah. like the vine around it just turned brown and kind of, but then, yeah, yeah. it was it was pumpkin time. Pretty that's, cool. that's so fun. I have one other thing that I harvested from my yard, oh. which is not a pumpkin, um, but it is one of our late harvest figs oh, from our fig tree lovely um there's only one because you know we just <laughs> yeah. cannot stop ourselves from eating them and actually we didn't get that many late ones um but this one somehow survived like we had a frost i think and it you know there's a couple there's a couple still hanging on that we're hoping that will get so cool so i'm gonna cut it up for you guys wonderful that's i i love figs and i i'm next year I'm gonna grow a fig, that's yeah. my goal. Uh, a neighbor has one, oh. but that, yeah, so that, that, that looks lovely. It's a really nice color, that fig. It's like a dark green, lovely. Looking forward to tasting this. Carly, do you have some, uh, any, any thoughts about fall and plants? Well, I actually just wanted to like jump on the whole um, pumpkin um, conversation. It was, um, I just thought it was, uh, you know, I, I, I love pumpkins, um, like just, you know, as a, as a fruit, generally speaking, um, and, um, and just also as decoration, but um, I I find it interesting that it's like such a such a big sign of fall, um, and it's it's uh, native to North America. Like all pumpkins are native to North America, so I find it interesting that it's also combined with like different cultures. Um, you know how like you know jack o' lanterns are carved, but like you know all that whole tradition came from Europe, uh, from like the you know Ireland and and so on um, but and I, I looked into that and it looks like um, you know since they didn't have pumpkins when that whole tradition of carving things um, and I guess they, um, they used to uh, carve turnips which is a lot more difficult <laughs> wow. um, or like other like smaller vegetables really um, hard. yeah <laughs> Not as um, not as spooky. Somehow. Not as yeah. I mean, or or maybe spookier. Or, it depends, sure, you sure. Know, like yeah. So so I thought that was interesting. Um, but it's like. Um, Did you yeah. say Ireland? 
Ireland. Ireland. I, I imagine like the first Irish uh, settler who saw pumpkins like this is this is the stuff. <laughs> this is what I should be carving a face into. Yeah. Well, it's it's a lot easier because you know pumpkins are a lot a lot yeah. larger, especially the the big orange ones are a lot larger than turnips and other. Um, I forget like what other um, root vegetable was used uh, for carving, but yeah. Um, so I thought that that's was really funny. Also, like I, I guess it was a big innovation because pumpkins are hollow inside for putting the yeah, candle yeah, in them, which you can't really right. do with yeah, a turnip as well, turnip. or you got to hollow out the turnips. Um, before we start on those figs, which look lovely, I just want to point out that uh, I'm going to pour this a little bit by my mic so people hear. Uh, we're having some elderberry mead, which if you remember on the episode that Rebecca was on, we had elderflower mead. So that was the early version of this, but this is the uh, made from the berries. And it has a nice red color. It looks, looks almost like a, like a light nice. red wine, and it's quite tasty. So that's what we're, we're enjoying. And I'm going to grab one of those figs yeah, before we continue figs. on here. Um, and then I also just wanted to um, mention, since you know we're talking about fall, um, like another super typical fall thing is um, the changing of the, the leaf color. Um, and so one thing that I found interesting is that, you know, you see these vibrant colors like oranges, reds, yellows, um, still a little bit of green in North America. Um, and you also see that in, in Asia, like all of this, you know, different colors. But in Europe, apparently, hmm. most of the trees are just like they turn yellow. Oh. And that's it. Um, so I, I, I don't really think uh, people understand exactly why that is, but um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I have um, a little insight on that. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I did read about um, why the leaves turn the color. And, and what happens is that in the fall, the tree is trying to store all of its energy and resources in the roots. Sure. So it starts pulling the chlorophyll back sure. from yeah. the leaves into the roots, yeah. but it's what's left behind are other compounds that have the color. And, right. and one, one uh, interpretation is that this is the leaf's true color. Mm. It's what happens when you pull the chlorophyll right. away. Oh, and there are two classifications of compounds, and Carla, you can maybe have some insight. It says you're the chemist. But one are carotenoids, which are the oranges yes, and yellows, that's right. okay. and then anthocyanins, which yes, are the purples the reds. and reds. Mm-hmm. Right, um, exactly. But I guess Europe maybe is lacking on the anthocyanins for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, uh, so the type of trees, I guess. it might be the type of trees. Type of trees yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's it, yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. So I thought that was I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, but like as you said, yeah, um, I think. Certainly, the, the, the other compounds are present. Uh, I'm not sure about the anthocyanins, but certainly the, the carotenoids are present together with a chlorophyll. And then as soon as the chlorophyll starts to, you know, kind of move back, um, then the, the oranges and the yellows really start to pop um, in the leaves. But I thought that was interesting. I don't know about the anthocyanins. I have to do a little bit more research. Yeah, like why uh, certain that. trees have anthocyanins um, and, the other ones and don't. they don't. Like, so... You know, uh, red maple turns yeah. really red, yeah. but the silver maple, which is this in my yard, it's actually yellow. is only yellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tall, tall one is a mm-hmm. silver maple. And so what's the difference? Why, why are those there? It's a huge maple, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rebecca's saying it's a huge maple. Yes, that's the one I make syrup from, yeah. actually. Yeah, so. I wonder you can make syrup. Um, it's a really big one. Yeah. While we're on the topic of leaves, I was reading a little bit more about leaves. And one, one fact, maybe I'll look this up and say it in the outro. If I don't, uh, you can Google it, audience. But I was curious about, like, just how many leaves fall every year, right? Like, and like, can I find any quantification? But it has to be a lot. Yes. And it's yeah. a pretty amazing, you know, cycle of, of adding material back mm-hmm. into the earth 
um, yeah. every year and how important that is for various life cycles and things. And I, let me unlock my phone. I have my hands covered in moss, so hopefully I can unlock my phone. Okay. Um, I wrote down from this article in the Toronto Star that was called Why Leafs Fall and the Good Deeds They Do by Mark and Ben Cullen. And the first they talked about the color and, and why that happens. That's where I read that. Cool. But then they talked about uh, five other things that, that uh, leaves are for, and they're all kind of related. First one is, is carbon. And so actually that reminds me, and we'll, we'll talk maybe a little bit about this fire we have here too. Mm -hmm. um, Carla, don't answer this because I know you definitely know the answer. But my, it's one of those <laughs> wow, things. Okay. It's one of those, it's one of those things. This is a question for you, Rebecca. It's one of those things okay. that is. It's obvious once you, once you like know it or even like consider it. But it's not always obvious. And the question is, a big tree like this maple here. It's I don't know, thirty feet tall, um, forty feet tall maybe. Where does all that mass come from? You know, that tree weighs tons. Where where did it get that material to get that big? Mmm, wow. I mean, probably from its leaves that had fallen the previous year, maybe returning some of the nutrients what, to the but soil. But how, how can it, like, get bigger if that's the case? Oh, man. You've got me. So this no is one of those things. And so then, so this, this, you know, it, once, you, once you get it, it's so obvious. It's yeah. the air. Oh, yeah. So that process of, of photosynthesis, turning CO2. Yep. The, the tree is fixing that carbon yeah. into wood and also leaves, okay. right? Yep. And so what an amazing process to like yeah. bring air and turn it into something so massive and huge. Awesome. And then also just the amount of carbon just in the leaves that mm. fall every year. Like I wonder how many pounds of leaf this one tree yeah, right? can create every year. Um, so the carbon is interesting, you know, and that's like, you know, we're talking about uh, climate and climate change and, you know, trees, trees can't be the, the perfect solution, but mm -hmm. more trees is good for mm -hmm. getting carbon out of the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The next thing it mentioned is soil. Like in a forest, a massive component mm -hmm. of soil is leaves. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that, that, that uh, material going back in the soil. Yeah. Then it mentioned, which is a little bit more in the gardener's life, it's uh, two things, mulch and compost. So you can use leaves as mulch. Mulch mm -hmm. is a way to keep uh, the soil from evaporating mm -hmm. uh, moisture yep. um, and, you know, keep things nice and tidy in your soil and then also you can add it to your compost if you don't add too much you gotta watch your browns versus greens right um, which we haven't talked too much about compost on this podcast but See, anyway yeah we don't watch our browns versus yeah. green and i don't really either <laughs> but you don't want to just put only leaves but yeah, in, or right. it might take a very very long yeah, time just like you think a of a forest floor a forest exactly. floor takes a long time to break down yeah um yeah. but it's really good material for compost mm -hmm. and then the last thing which this is something that carla inspired me last year she was like can we like be careful and not rake up all the leaves or mm -hmm. leave some leaves in place because they're such an important source of microbial life yeah and yeah. And, and insects and things yep. like that uh, like in those layers and layers of leaves and and so many people in so many places rake up all their leaves stuff them in bags and then yeah. ship them to the dump they're gone right, <laughs> right? exactly and it's yep. like uh uh you know it's like this amazing resource for your own compost your own mulch your own soil mm -hmm. and also for all the microbes that make your soil healthy so yeah what is a wealth of a resource you know yeah. we can't eat the leaves right but we can eat the things that the leaves sustain so exactly. I, yeah i was thinking yeah. about leaves and fall and that's yeah. that's the little journey yeah, Brian, actually, my husband was reading about leaves and he found like that there, you know, there's a recommendation. If you can, you can mulch your leaves. Yeah. So we're going to try to just leave, you know, some of them because we get a lot. Yeah. But we'll leave some of them and just try mowing over them. And he's yeah. like, they'll just get cut up by the mower and then you just leave them. And, and that's right. what I, I've done that. I've never bagged up my leaves here. And if you mow them, 
it's amazing how quickly they're gone. Yeah. If you don't mow them, they get matted and they get no right. oxygen between them. Yeah. And then they can form this really thick, slippery thing. Yeah. And that's, that's not... You know, that's great too for certain creatures. True. You know, sure. But, so, but you don't want to be slipping on... Right. So as I was saying, that's, that, that, you know, that slimy layer is good too for certain creatures, yeah. but um, you don't want to kind of be slipping on that because it does get very slippery yeah. and you'll, you know, kind of fall and, you know, break something. But, but yeah, like if you live it in like, leave such, you know, layers in like a sh like shady corner where you don't really go, then it can just kind of do its own thing. Yeah. And then, and then, if you do mulch it, it it, it it's gone. It, it goes into the soil. And so, like this huge tree, all of those leaves get processed in a year, which is really amazing by by like the natural process. I'm gonna have another piece. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah keep eating figs. Yeah, just yeah. wasn't sure where to put them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess another. I have another oh. thing about leaves. Mm, um, yeah. Like I was thinking about how I I love to. Um, identify you know just identifying different trees and it's kind of it's kind of a journey to figure out you know because most of us know the difference between like a maple and an oak mm -hmm. um but then there's all these other trees like you know so the fall is a really interesting time because i kind of notice that you know the same species of tree will change color together mm -hmm. so so now i'm starting to figure out like oh there's these hickories that are these like this beautiful golden yellow color right now um so looking at you know looking at the forest behind our house or even like you know at the park that i drive by a lot i'm like oh yeah look at all those hickories cool you know just becoming more aware of different different kinds of trees yeah that's cool they like they at this time of year the tree of identification is nice because they kind of pop out of pop out at you in groups yeah i noticed the hickories just the other day i was yeah. like oh what is oh yeah that's a hickory okay yeah. um yeah no i've i've actually like i really like identifying trees it's it's difficult as the leaves fall yeah. um you know i can only identify the ones where you know it's a maple um an ash or a dogwood um mm -hmm. the, because those are the ones that grow parallel instead of alternate um so those are easier to identify but uh the rest you know, without the leaves, I have no idea. Right. But, yeah, but exactly. a good tip when, if you're looking at a tree and the leaves have already fallen, so a little bit late fall into early winter, a good tip for tree identification is just to look down on the ground and pick the leaves up. Oh, and, and, you know, yes. and you know, you are going to get some mix, but whatever's the predominant thing, you can be like, because bark can be difficult yeah. to, to analyze, yeah. but, uh, but you know, if you looked at something I think some people miss, is like, oh yeah, go look at the fallen leaves and see what's there. So Actually, that was one of the things that we were nerding out about um, when we were on a, going on a walk, um, mm -hmm. like a couple of days ago. Uh, we were like, oh, this maple turned bright red immediately and this other maple didn't. And we were like, why? And then we realized, oh, it's because one is a Norway maple and the other one's a red maple. Yes. Um, so they will have like different times. They look but the only, similar. The only way we could tell is because of the bark. Yeah. Um, uh, and so that was kind of fun. Cool. So I was just like, yep, yep. that's that's fun. There you go. <laughs> Another um, like little leaf tidbit that's kind of fun. We um, when I explore the woods with my daughter we have this little uh nature book that we use we used it a lot when she was like two and three um, dropped thing, but safe <laughs> oh no safe <laughs> almost lost it um we use this nature book a lot when she was like two and three years old and it has you know some plants in it but not everything just kind of a basic you know so it mm -hmm. has it has two oak leaves in the book and it's like a black black oak and a white oak mm. and so the difference is the black oak has little points 
Whereas the white oak, the little fingers are rounded at the ends. Is that you sure it's um, not red oak versus white oak? See, yeah. Yeah. see, then I like, yeah, then I was like, okay, <laughs> there black, is a oaks, black oak, but black it's a oaks bit and white oaks. More rare, I think. But black. then, yeah, then I was like, oh, you know, somebody, my aunt and uncle were like, oh yeah, there's also pin oaks, and I was like, what? There's more, and then. I looked in my yard recently, and it it was a uh, southern red oak. Uh -huh. It's like okay, there's red oaks. So there's like, there's so many species of oaks. Now so I'm just I'm just scratching the surface of the, identifying them. The, tr the tricky one is the willow oak. Yeah, that one's cool. Oh. Its leaves don't look like a classic yeah. oak leaf. They 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 look like little like, thin ones. So that's yeah. interesting. So speaking of oak, this fire we have going here is uh, for, it took me a while to identify this. Okay. I I had. I'm not gonna go into the whole story of how I had this pile of wood chips and, and logs <laughs> delivered to my house, because it's a long one. But I, this is a tree that was cut down in somewhere near in someone's neighborhood, and I was able to like salvage it from the, the chipping company, or from the wood, you know, the tree company. Oh, nice. Um, and I, most of it was one tree, and uh, it took me a while to identify. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's an oak, but what is it? And eventually I found some leaves in the detritus, and I was able to pretty sure that this is pin oak. Okay. Which oh, is, great. I think, more closely related to red oak. Okay. Except uh -huh. it has much deeper lobing in the leaves okay. and sharper points than even a red oak. Mm. Um, and that's, I think, a pin oak. I think maybe some people say it's a, it's a kind of red oak. Don't quote me on that. Okay. Um, but, that, you know, that's... Uh, this is maybe, you know, on the border of fall and winter we're talking about here, but we're having a fire. So I thought I'd talk about wood, mm -hmm. you know, burning wood and, and that amazing process of, um, you know, we talked about how the tree turns, uh, it turns sunlight and CO2 and it captures it and it turns into this massive, huge thing. And then when you burn wood, you're kind of releasing that solar energy again, yeah. um, which is pretty cool. And it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's one of those things that, in the case of this tree, because it was already being cut down and we're burning it to cook food, this is probably a pretty carbon neutral activity. Mm -hmm. However, it won't be truly carbon neutral for like a hundred years because that's how old this tree was, right? So there's, oh, yeah. there's yeah, some yeah, considerations, right. you know, burning wood can be a carbon neutral activity. And if, especially if you're burning tr a tree that was already gonna be cut down, it's already gonna yeah. release its, its carbon into the air. Um, but there are some places where people cut down trees just to burn them and entire places to burn. And then the calculus changes quite rapidly. And I feel like a lot of people have the calculus of like, well, it's wood, it's gonna grow back, it's carbon neutral, but that's not always the case. First of all, it's the time period. There's a bird in the tr bush. Um, uh, there's a time period for how long the tree takes to grow, which that can be a very long time. But also if you cut down a whole forest, there's so much carbon in the soil mm -hmm. and in the leaves and things like that that doesn't come back very fast at all. So yeah. I think my main takeaway is like, burning wood is something that people need to do. And in some cases, it's definitely way better than like, I, I do think making quesadillas here and tortillas on my wood burning stove is probably a more carbon neutral activity in this specific case than doing it on a gas stove. Mm -hmm. But there are some cases, depending on the source of that wood, where the actually calculus may not be the same. So yeah, I've been thinking sense. about burning wood lately, that like where sense. we fit in, but yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. And it's just nice to know that we're, I think honoring the work that this tree did of capturing all that fire and we're putting that energy back into something we're gonna consume, which yeah. is, I think, kind of a beautiful process. Nice. My uncle lives out in like Western Loudoun County, so out in the country, and they have a huge forest area behind their house. So he'll actually identify trees that are like looking like they're about to die mm -hmm. and kind of like quarter them off so they 
dry out a little bit and then cut those down. And, and he ends up heating his house mostly with yeah. wood, like yeah. almost wow. the entire winter. Um, but, but yeah, he's gone through like a careful process of identifying, mm-hmm. you know, which ones are appropriate to take. Right. Um, he's even like taken some of the trees that are like the more invasive kinds yeah. and, and, you know, getting the, like he prepares them to cut them so they can dry out a little bit and actually burn well. Yeah, that's a great, a great thought. It's like, I think, yeah. I think we, when we're thinking about how we use any natural resources, it's easy to try to like oversimplify it. Mm-hmm. And just the idea that like wood is carbon neutral, it's much more complicated than that. And that just comes down to our human ideas of yeah. like oversimplifying, which we've talked about a lot. Right. It's similar to how we deal with corn and overgrow corn because yeah. it's a good food and soy is like that. I think thinking of wood like that. But if you're considerate, I think like your uncle says, and thinking about how the natural processes work and there is mm-hmm. there is resources in the forest that are usable and there's some that need to stay in the forest. Um, it's a good way to go. Yeah. If you haven't read The Lorax by Dr. Seuss, <laughs> that will help understand the concept. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, I, I don't want to uh, interrupt your 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 paper there. No. What, what what do you've got? Oh, you got any other I things? Actually, that was about. I, we we kind of like okay. touched on everything. Cool. So I don't think I have. You know, I don't really have more. That's about it. We talked about white and black oaks, and how many other kinds of oaks. Do you want me to read out some of the other kinds of oaks? Yeah, let's that there hear a are? list of oaks. Yes. Okay, so I did um, a little research on. This was just on iNaturalist. I was just looking for um, native trees of Virginia, and then I searched for oaks. So there's not just black, white, pin, and southern red oak. There's chestnut oak, post oak, swamp chestnut oak, southern live oak, northern red oak, laurel oak blackjack oak, water oak, and willow oak. And there are probably even more than those. Wow. I don't know if it's an exhaustive list, but yeah. So, so many oaks. That's so cool. I, the one oak, that fact that I have in my brain is I know that the, the Latin name for the genus is Quercus. Oh, Quercus. It's a good excellent. name. Yeah. Good, I like yeah. that. Um, Carla, do you have any, anything else to add about fall and plants? Um, no, that, that was it for me. I just, you know, was thinking about pumpkins and uh, the changing of the leaves, which are very, you know, quintessential fall things. But yeah, that's Absolutely. That's are you ready? Yes. Okay, so I, so we planted pumpkins and the pumpkin, and I had, and we had two pumpkins and, Two small ones, one big one, and we cut the big one into Zach Lantern, and we named it Zachy, and then it, and then we na- and then we made the little pumpkins the feet of Zachy Zach Lantern. My guests on this episode of Rootbound were Carla Arias and Rebecca Yuri, who you can listen to on the mint and elderflower episodes of the podcast, respectively. Check them out. Also featuring first-time podcaster Maya. Rootbound is hosted by Steve Ellington, who could not figure out how many leaves fall in the United States or in the world in general, but it's a whole lot. Music by Christian Krigascota. Fake ads by David Lani. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can go outside, enjoy the autumn. It really is orange as heck. Autumn! 
The Disyllabic Man's Fall. Yeah.